Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now, Lord. We just pray that the Lord be with that lady that's outside. I don't know what's going on. But Lord, we pray that you calm down her spirit. Lord, we just ask that we be able to sit still before you and, and learn from you the very things that you have for us. We thank you that we can finish one book out of the 66 that you have. Lord, we ask that as we go into Ruth, the chapter 4 of Ruth, Lord, that you would close it with uh, the seal of your Holy Spirit upon our hearts. We ask for your blessings. We are for your anointing. And we ask, Lord, that we draw closer to you. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ruth chapter 4. We're finally there. It was a journey for Ruth to go all the way from Naomi to go all the way to Moab. And now she's journeying back. It says in, in Ruth 1, it says, you cannot run. You can run, but you cannot hide. And this is where we hear Ruth eloquent statement of faith. And she said, look. Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. And that was the turning point. And that's exactly the same turning point for us. We have made that statement to God. And wherever he goes, we will go. And wherever he desires to lodge, we will lodge. And nothing, not even death, will separate us from the love of God. And that's something to hold on to this morning. Especially the way the world is going. In Ruth 2, it says, Ruth work as a gleaner. It's no accident Ruth gleans in Boaz's field. This is God working through this young lady, showing her that because she made a commitment to him, now he was going to provide for her. And in Ruth 3, we run into Ruth makes an appeal. She had that right. Naomi's instruction to Ruth, it says, security for Ruth through a kinsman redeemer and that was Boaz and where we stopped in Ruth 3 is that we didn't know whether they were going to get married or not (laughs) okay so Ruth 4 is the marriage of Boaz and Ruth so let's get into chapter 4 of Ruth now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know for there, for I am next after you. And he said, I will Redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field and the hand of Naomi, 
You must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the relatives said, I am not, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, a man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, but buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that is Elimelech and all that was Chilion's and Melon's from the hand of Naomi, moreover Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Melon. I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord made the woman who is coming to your house, the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house, like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and many, and may you prosper in Ephraim and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offsprings which the Lord will give you from this woman, from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has left you this, this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. May he be to you a restorer of life and a nurturer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better than to you than seven sons has bored him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him, laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, This is a son born to Naomi, and they call his name Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Haran. Haran begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadad. Abinadad begot Nishon. Nashon begot Salom, Salom begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Okay? That's where we're at. So the near kinsman redeemer declines the right of redemption. Ruth. Four through one, it says, Boaz meets the nearer kingsman in the city gates. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, a close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, my friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Now Boaz went. The previous chapter left us at a dramatic point. Ruth and Boaz are obviously in love and wanted to get married. With Boaz exercising the right of Goel, the kingsman redeemer. Yet there was a kingsman closer to Ruth. And he, his priority would be he claimed the right of kingsman redeemer toward Ruth and give her and and keep her and Boaz from getting married. Now Boaz went up to the gate, and the gate of the city was always the place where esteemed and honored men of the city sat. 
For an ancient city in Israel, it was a combination of a city council's chamber and a courthouse. Now, the city gate was a kind of outdoor court, the place where judicial matters were resolved by elders and those who had earned the confidence and respect of the people. A place of business and as a kind of forum or public meeting. This is by Huey. I remember when my oldest son got married. And what I can remember is that he had a smile from ear to ear through the whole ceremony. (laughs) And so did our daughter-in-law. My other oldest son, Nash, when he got married, what was special of his wedding is that the person that he had facilitate the wedding was one of his friends from college, Bible college in Marietta. And this gentleman brought up a knot. He had a rope, but it was a knot. It was tight. And he called it the Gordon knot. But the way he explained it, he says, no matter which way you pull, it wasn't going to break apart. It would just get tighter and stronger. And that really touched my heart. Because that's exactly what God wants from us. We're married to the Lord. We are his bride. And we are to be able to know that no matter what is going on, no matter how gruesome it might look, we have a kingsman redeemer that loves us. And he says, I married you, and now you're mine. And that should be a smile on our faces, in our hearts, in our lives, that will say, yeah, that's who I belong to. I belong to Jesus. And one day, each one of us is going to see him face to face. And what an honor that's going to be. And this is what you see out of this chapter. They wanted to get married, but then there was something, there was some other person that was in the way. So Boaz brings this request to him. So the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Boaz surprised Ruth in by telling her there was a nearer kingsman than himself. Now this man came by the city gate as Boaz sat there. Because Ruth was quietly gone back home after being at the threshing floor at Boaz's instruction, Boaz approached to this near kingsman and was planned as a complete surprise to the other man. Clearly, this was a technical advantage for Boaz. (laughs) He knew what he wanted, and he was going to get it. (laughs) Okay. Come aside, my friend, sit down here. Literally, in the ancient Hebrew, when Boaz greeted the near kingsman, he called in Mr. So-and-so. The writer of Ruth never identified the name of the near kingsman because he was not worthy of the honor. He declined to fulfill the obligation as near kingsman to Ruth. Doubtless, Boaz both knew his name and called him by it, but it was omitted by the holy writer, partly because it was unnecessary to know it, and principally in a way of contempt, as usual and as just punishment upon him, that he would not be preferred than the brother's name, might lose his own and lie down in the grave of perpetual Now Ruth asked the near kingsman redeemer, the land of Naomi and Amnamelech. He said to 
the close relatives, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab, Moab sold the piece of land which belongs to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Naomi sold the land, the piece of land. The duty of the Goel, the kinsman redeemer, was more than the duty of, to preserve the family name of the brother in Israel. It was also to keep land allotted to the members of the clan within the clan. When Israel came into the promised land during the days of Joshua, the land was divided among the tribes and then among the family groups. God intended that the land stay within those tribes and family groups so the land could not, could never permanently be sold. After 50 years, it had to be returned to the original family group. And that's in Leviticus 25, 8, 17. But 50 years is a long time. So God made provisions for the land that was sold that it might be redeemed back to the family by the kingsman's redeemer. Sort of picture Jesus in that. <laughs> okay. Again, the kingsman redeemer had the responsibility to protect the person, property, prosperity of the larger family. And all these duties went together. The piece of land. When Boaz brought the matter up to the near kingsman, he bought it up as a matter of regarding property. Something any man would be interested in. Anyone would want to buy back a piece of property and keep it in the family name by keeping it for oneself. He said, if you will redeem it, redeem it. When Boaz put in the terms of purely a land transaction, there was no hesitation in the near kingsman's part. He jumped at the deal. All right. I get to have another piece of land added to what I have. That's going through his mind and heart. But you see in the commercial, it says, but wait, we have something else. <laughs> you know, well, this is the part where Boaz is saying, but wait, there's something else you got to know. It says, Boaz put the terms in the property. Of course, he said, I will redeem it. Certainly, Ruth and Naomi were watching and listening. How their hearts must have sunk. When they heard the near kingsmen say, I will redeem it. They heard this, they heard from his own lips that he would exercise his right at kingsman's redeemer and that, that he would gain not only property in question, but also Mary Ruth instead of Boaz. But Boaz knew exactly what he was doing and he had the situation all under control. When we look at our own lives and the way they're in turmoil, we seem to think that God doesn't care. But he's our kingsman redeemer. And just like Boaz, he has the whole situation in control. We don't see it. We only see part of it. But God is saying, but wait, I got something else for you. And we say, what is that? <laughs> you know? And we sort of run ahead of God, trying to take care of it of ourselves. We have wisdom. We have knowledge. I got strength. I can do it. He said, I'll just pull my shoe straps and put my shoulders back and and I'll be able to handle it. 
But then comes a time when something really heavy hits you and you have no control of that. And I've been through that more than once. I have a wife that had cancer and a tumor in her head. What can I do? I'm no doctor. <laughs> I'm just her husband. Well, the one thing that God has given me is a gift to pray. And I used it. And I went to him and I said, she's your daughter. Whatever you want to do. You can take her home, is that what you want to do? Or if you still have some work for her to do for you, then, then I'm just asking you to touch her. You heal her. He has. More than once. <laughs> and for me to receive something like that from him, I just can see this man saying, oh yeah, I could do it. I could be that man. I could be that first one saying, oh yeah, I can handle it. No, I can't. And as strong as I thought I would be in those situations, I found myself crying out to God and saying, she's yours. You take care of it. And I know personally how that feels. I know we struggle and we wonder at times is God there are you listening to what I'm saying when I get into God's word and I read scripture God always brings something up to me like this past week it says cast all your cares upon me and I said whoa <laughs> I know I read this before but why is it now? What are you going to do with this? And how is it going to help me in my walk with you? My encouragement to you is that don't hesitate to take whatever is before you and put it into God's hands and say, I know you can handle this. And I know you're going to do something. I don't know what it is. But you know what? I look forward. I want to be just like my oldest son with a big smile from ear to ear. Knowing that my Redeemer not only lives, but he's going to take care of everything that comes my way. Good or bad or indifferent. I know that he would incline his ear and hear my cries. And I know that he knows me so well that I cannot hide anything from him. And I learned that lesson through those circumstances. And I found myself running to him and saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm not, I'm an imperfect vessel, but in your hands, hey, you can do wonders. <laughs> you know? And he has the same thing for each one of you. We might have family members that don't know him. And you've been praying for years. But I'm here to tell you, say, you know what, he hears you. But it is in his time that he's going to do it. And when he does it, and you see it, or you hear about it, it should bring a joy into your heart that's beyond your measure. This past weekend, we were praying for the library for what was going on. I just got a word back. There was only two. Now, all we're doing is praying. All we're doing is crying out to the God that loves us. 
And we're asking him, protect your children, whether they know you or they don't. He says, Lord, you do this. And when he does, and we see it or hear about it, we shouldn't be hanging our heads. We should look back and say, yes, (laughs) that's it. Thank you, Lord. Because that brings him glory and praise. And it all comes down to one thing, obedience. Obedience is hard to do, but it's the best thing to do. So Boaz and Ruth want to get married. And this guy wants to buy just a piece of property. And Boaz informs the kinsman redeemer of his duty to redeem the property of, of Elimelech if he will redeem the property of Elimelech. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, and perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. On the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess. Then Boaz put the surprise on the Redeemer near Kingsman. He told him that he wasn't only to deal with Naomi and the property of Elmanac, he also had to deal with Ruth. Because Naomi was older and beyond the years of bearing children, the near kinsman was not expected to marry Naomi or raise children to the family name of the, her deceased husband, Elimelech. But Ruth was another matter. She was able, able to marry and bear children. Buy it from Ruth the Malbitus, the wife of the dead, and perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Boaz explained what everyone knew, that this was a package deal. You ever gone and bought a car? (laughs) He says, you know, for a little more, you can get this nice little gadget in your car. (laughs) It would work wonders for you, you know. And basically, this is exactly what's going on here. <laughs> Boaz gives him part of the story, and then he says, but you know what? There's, there's a catch to this. He says, uh, you're going to have to deal with Ruth, the Moabitess. And she's young, and she can't bear children. And I'm sure the man is sitting there thinking, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I believe this person was married. And the gears were turning. <laughs> he says, how am I going to explain this? It's not like our children telling us, oh, look what, follow me home. And they see a little dog, a little kitten. It's not that way. This is a little serious. So he's thinking about this. He's saying, well, that, that sort of throws a wrench into the deal. Now, because of Boaz's wise, perhaps shrewd way of framing the occasion, it was the first time the near kinsman considered this. And it was a pretty big question to take in all at once. When it was just a matter of property, it was easy to decide on. But if he must take Ruth as wife, that was another matter. Now Ruth, in 4.6, he says that the near kinsman Decline his right of redemption toward the property and prosperity of Elimelech. The close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. He would have a very big explanation when he got home. <laughs> okay, that's what he's looking at. <laughs> How do I explain this? You know, you redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. He said, I cannot redeem it for myself, though it would be great to receive the property associated with Ruth. 
the near kinsman knew that taking her into his home and raising up her children would ruin his own inheritance. Lest I ruin my own inheritance, probably the man had grown, grown sons who had already received their inheritance of lands, and the problem of dividing that inheritance among future children he would have with Ruth was more than he wanted to deal with. Also, no doubt, the man was married and knew that it would be awkward at best to bring home a wife, number two. That'd be kind of hard for me to explain to Minda. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> okay. So that's what we have here. So the man backs away from the deal. It says, you redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. These were glorious words in the ears of Ruth and Naomi. I'm sure they're listening. They're sitting there, probably in the crowd a little further back. But they're hearing it and says, yes. <laughs> if you could picture that. Ruth and Naomi sitting there and saying, all right. A smile from ear to ear. That, yes. Boaz and me. A moment before all seemed lost when the kinsman redeemer said, I will redeem it. But Boaz's plan had a surprise and an unexpected wisdom to it, and it worked. Now, God has no surprises for us. He knew all along exactly what he wanted to do since the beginning of the creation of the earth. It's a surprise to us because this is a, probably the first time, if you don't know Christ, this is probably the first time you heard it. If not, you've been listening it for years. But the day that you came to Christ, it's the same day that you said what Ruth said to Naomi. Only you're saying it to God. And you're saying, here I am, take me. You know, use me any way you want to. I just don't like the life that I've been living and I don't want to go back to it. So I'm going to trust you that you're telling me that if I come to you, all my sins are forgiven. They're made, even though they were as crimson, they are made as white as snow. You say you will provide for me. You say that you're going to show me, you're going to teach me, you're going to raise me up the way you want me to be. So dad, what happens if I'm disappointing to you? What if I don't listen to what you're saying? What if I'm disrespectful to your name and your honor? That's what's happening with this country. We honor God's name. We pray in school. The Bible was used for teaching. And now it's farther away from that. I, I like doing mathematical equations. So I took 247 years that this country is that's how we are. And I divided that and I said, well, how many years have we been walking with God? It came up to 183 years. From the time they took prayer out of school. I was in elementary school when they took it out. It was 1962. And from that point on, it's been, I think, 60, maybe my math is wrong. It'd be, I think, about 63, about 64 years difference. But it adds it up to 247 years. We've been walking away from God less than we've been walking with him. 
And that should tell us something as Christians. There's more of, of God in us, <laughs> okay, than, than we walked away from him. And if we taste how good God is, then why would we want to be away from him? Why wouldn't we want to actually come to him? Why wouldn't we want to actually place all our cares upon him? And cast them at his feet. See, these are questions that I ask myself as a Christian. And I ask God, I say, Lord, why would I want to go away from you? You've been so good to me. <laughs> he has. I never see my covers empty. And he took away alcohol from me. among other things. And he made me to be able to prosper. Okay? That might not mean a lot, but to me it means a lot because I've seen it. I got demoted in the Navy and I lost the rank. I was a first class and then I became a second. But I came to Christ that year in 1981, you know, Central California, Calvary. And the Lord told me then, He says, Don't worry, I got you back. Your coverage aren't going to be bare. You're going to have the same amount of money to be able to pay your bills. I had three young boys <laughs> and a beautiful wife. And I still have. But yet, he says, okay, as long as you want to serve me, you want to actually follow me, this is what's going to happen to you. I had to go tell the commanding officer one thing. When you go up there, tell him you're going up. That's it. He said, okay. The captain is standing on his pulpit. I'm on the other side facing him. And he asked me, Pedro Rivas, what are you going to do now? I said, Captain, I'm going up. And he looked at me and he says, what? He said, I'm, I'm going up. He says, you know, a lot of people that come before the captain and they go to captain's mess, they get depressed. And they just go backwards. He said, but what I'm hearing from you, he says, you're saying you want to go forward. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> now, this is how good God is. I got demoted once. I got promoted three times. The Lord gave me back my strike at the next command that I went to. A year later, he gave me anchors, which was a chief petty officer. And then two, three years later, after that, he gave me a star. So I retired at the United States Navy in 1995 as a senior chief of the United States Navy. Was it my doing? No. <laughs> it was God. And I knew it was God. Because anytime anybody would ask me, how'd you get your anchors? You, and I would ask them, I'd say, you really want to know? And they say, yeah. Okay, sit down. I'll tell you. <laughs> God opened doors for me. And he can open doors for you. And this is where you find Ruth. You find her sort of discouraged after she, what she heard. But yet, when she hears, well, I can't redeem it. You redeem it. Now. I can understand, I can understand what God did for Ruth because he has done the same thing for me and my family. I know who my Redeemer is and I know that he lives. And I know that he will never let me down. You know, Jesus has not failed me yet. And he will not. 
And I praise God for that. You know? And you need to understand that. That's how much he loves you. Oh, yeah, we're going to go through some aches and pains. We're going to go through some rough edges in our lives. But the silver lining on it is that you're not alone. You're not walking in this life by yourself. Hold on to his hand daily. Talk to him. Say, walk through the garden. You know, in the garden I long, alone. No, you're not alone in the garden. Not even in your prayer life. God is right there. He's been waiting for you. And the way I know that is because I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning since the Lord, I came to the Lord and I put a cup of coffee in front of me. I know that God is sitting on the chair right next to me saying, okay, so what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I say, oh. My oldest son will have any struggles getting good grades in high school. And I tried my best as a father to encourage him and even his mother, Minda. And one day between duty stations, the Lord says, okay, he's my son. <laughs> I says, no, he's my firstborn. He's my son. And he says, no, 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 no. He's my son. He's a gift to you. As a father, I wept. I said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, give him back to me. <laughs> I said, that's it? I said, yeah, give him back to me. I said, okay. <laughs> you do what you want. I come back from a new duty station one day, and I'm, I go to Minda. Minda's in the kitchen, and she said, where's Mark? He said, he's over there in the living room. He said, what's he doing? Why don't you go ask him? I said, okay. So I walk in, and I see Mark on the floor, all his books in front of him. I say, hey, Mark. I say, what are you doing? I said, my homework. <laughs> so why the big change all of a sudden? He says, oh, I joined a wrestling team at El Cap. And I got to get my grades up in order to stay on the team. And the next morning, when I woke up, I went to God and I said, thank you. Something I could not do is something that he did. And I know that if he can do that with my family, he can do it with the orange. There's nothing impossible with God. Not a thing. And in this picture, we see that. It says, Boaz's plan had a surprise and unexpected wisdom, and it worked. Some might have thought Boaz's plan was foolish to gain Ruth by offering her and her land to the near kinsmen. How could that work? But it, but seemingly foolish plan did work. Now, this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming exchanges. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, close, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And this was a custom, okay, in former times in Israel. And it's in Deuteronomy 25, 5-10. Describes a ceremony conducted with a kingsman declines his responsibility. The one declining removes the sandal, and the woman he declines to honor spit on his face. Okay, well, this didn't happen <laughs> with this exchange. Okay, But in this case, because there was not a lack of honor involved, they just did the part of the ceremony involving the sandal. He said, buy it for yourself. The near kingsman redeemer said, the land is yours to redeem because you are also willing to redeem the prosperity of Elimelech by taking Ruth as wife and something I am not willing to do. Now Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that Elimelech 
and all that was Chilions, Mulions, and Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mulion, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, and that the name of the dead may be not cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And Boaz said to the elders, all the people, Boaz joyfully proclaimed, legally sealing the transaction, that he would redeem both the prosperity and the prosperity of Elimelech, and the best of all, take Ruth, the woman he loved, as his wife. Okay? Put your name in there. Jesus came to die on the cross for every single one of us. And he bought us with a price. And he chose to do that. He didn't have to. But he made that decision with his Father and God the Holy Spirit. They were all one (laughs) in this Wanting to get mankind back to God. Then this is the only way you're going to be able to do it, Jesus. You go down there and become one like them. But they're going to hate you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to put you on the cross to die. And Jesus says, let's do it. Why? Because he loves you. That's how much he loves you. Don't ever stop understanding the love of God for you. The enemy will bring thoughts into your head and tell you, oh, you rotten sinner, how can God love you? Hear the voice of God saying, you know, my child will come to me. Sit on my lap. Tell me what's on your heart. What can I do for you? What kind of problem do you have that you cannot handle? Let's see what we can do. He's a loving father and he loves you. And he wants to be able to talk to you. So through, your, through God's word, you get to hear God speak. It's through your prayers you talk to him. Because then you can empty out your heart. And you can let him know exactly how much you love him. Ruth, I acquired as my wife. Back in chapter 1, Ruth seemed to be giving up a best chance of marriage by leaving his, her native land of Moab and giving her heart and life to the God of Israel. But as Ruth put God first, he brought her together in a relationship greater than she could ever imagine. Today, God will bless those wanting to get married in the same way if they will only put him first. You are witnesses this day. This explains why a marriage ceremony is important and why it should be recognized as a civil authority. By the civil authority, Boaz had a love for Ruth that, a, that was public, a love that wanted to be publicly witnessed and registered. Sometimes people wonder why a marriage ceremony or a marriage license is important. Can't we just be married before God? But there is something severely lacking in a love that doesn't want to proclaim itself, that does not want witness, and that does not want bond to be recognized in the civil authorities. That love falls short of true Marital love. So those that, who say, well, if we were on a desert island 
and no one was there to marry us, could we still be married before God? Need to hear the answer, yes. On a desert island. But you aren't on a desert island. (laughs) There are witnesses and civil authorities for you to proclaim your commitment of marital love to God wants you to do it. See, my marriage to Minda is not just married to Minda. My marriage to Minda is marrying to God. I put God first in my marriage. I might not handle it correctly. I might do things wrong as a husband. I might even say wrong things. But my commitment to that young lady who was only 19 and I was 27, I said, I'll marry you, but I'm not going to divorce you because I don't want that. I don't care how many times you might bring it up. The answer is no. We're stuck. (laughs) We're like that Gordon knot. It's just going to get tighter. But... For 47 years, God has been faithful. Okay? That's what I want to encourage you. If you're married, stick it out. Because you know what? When you get to heaven, you're going to meet your goel. You're going to meet the one that married you. And what are you going to tell him? He says, oh, I changed my mind. It's too late now. <laughs> no. And God is waiting. He's waiting. He's saying, hey. One day, one day, he's going to say, come home, good and faithful servant. And what a blessing that is. So I know how how good God is to me and to my family. And I know how God is good to you because I see it. So the blessing of witness to the wedding, he said, all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord made the woman who was, was coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel and said, and that, and may you prosper in Ephraim and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. All the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. No doubt the crowd cheered. The man thought Ruth was beautiful and the woman thought Boaz was, the women thought Boaz was handsome. Everybody could see what a romantic, loving occasion this was. Like Rachel and Leah, these two had 13 children between them and were the mothers of the whole nation of Israel. This was a big blessing to be put on Boaz and Ruth. Like the house of Perez, this was so special about Perez. The story of his birth is in Genesis 38, 27 to 30. Trap. On may my your house be like the house of Perez, the breach maker, as the midwife called him, because he would need to be born before his brother and carried away the birth, first birthright, and afterwards became happy in the numerous and honorable prosperity. Indeed, it seemed that Perez was the ancestor of the Benjamites in general. Moreover, Perez gave his name to the section of the tribe of Judah that was descended from him. Happy ever after. Ruth and Boaz had their first child. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Now the Lord gave her conception. The gift of a child was never taken for granted. In Israel, the fact that Boaz and Ruth were able to raise up a son to the descendant of Elimelech was evidence of God's blessing. 
When the women said, then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life and nurturer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has, has bored him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Blessed be the Lord. Look at blessed Naomi. She now has a grandson. She was now famous in Israel. She got to be a nurse to her own grandson. Who has not left you this day without a close relative? It was fitting that these blessings in life of Naomi be given so much <coughs> excuse me, attention to the end of the book. Naomi was one of those original returning to the, to the Lord because began all this great work of God. If Naomi had not decided to come back to Bethlehem, the land of Israel, and the God of Israel, none of this would happen. <clears throat> this was a miraculous determination of what God can do through one poor woman who gets right with him. So get right with God. That's the point here. Okay. I'll end it with this. There's a song that says, The Kingsman Redeemer, be a family member. Jesus added humbly to his eternal destiny <clears throat> so he could be our kingsman and save us. The Kingsman Redeemer had the duty of buying family members out of slavery. <clears throat> Jesus redeemed us from slavery to sin and death. The Kingsman Redeemer had the duty to, of buying back land that had been forfeited, and Jesus redeemed the earth that mankind sold over to Satan. <clears throat> Boaz, the Kingsman Redeemer to Ruth, was not motivated by self-interest, but motivated by love for Ruth. Jesus' motivation for redeeming us is his great love for us. Boaz, as kingdom redeemer to Ruth, had to have planned to redeem Ruth upon himself, and sometimes might have thought the plan to be foolish. Jesus had a plan to redeem us, and some might think the plan foolish, saving men by dying for them on a cruel cross. Yet the plan works and is glorious. And Boaz, as kingsman redeemed Jerusalem, took her as bride, and the people Jesus has redeemed are collectively called his bride. In Ephesians 5.31-32, Revelation 21.9. Boaz, as kingsman redeemed Jerusalem, provided a glorious destiny for Ruth. Jesus, as our redeemer, provides a glorious destiny for us. And that's what God wants us to know today. My prayer for you is that God will soften your heart even more to hear his voice clearly. The Israelites were told by Moses entering into the promised land, to this day God has not given you ears to hear, eyes to see, or a heart to understand. My prayer is that God will honor that prayer of that scripture, that hearts will be open, eyes will start seeing, and ears will start hearing when he calls. Well, let's pray. Howdy, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for taking us to Ruth, Lord. It's a glorious story. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would do a mighty work here, a work that only you can do. Lord, help us not to depend upon ourselves, but to depend upon you. You are our Father in heaven. You are our Goel. You are our Redeemer of our lives. And Lord, we just want to thank you 
for the opportunity of being used by you. We might not understand all your ways. We might not even understand you when you speak. But we, as your children, we want to be able to come to you and sit on your lap and for us to be able to talk and for you to minister to us and to help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this dying world and help this nation, Lord, come back to you. But help those, Lord, that don't know you to have an opportunity to come to know you. Bless your people here at Calvary of Lakeside. Bless their families as they honor your name daily as they cry out to you. And I ask this, Father, in Jesus' name.